0: You are now tuned to the Priority One subspace frequency, brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, Mexico is the closest thing to planet Risa. Command codes verified.
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Listening to episode 123 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek Online podcast, recorded live on Trek Radio on April 11th, 2013, and available for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com the following Monday. I'm Elijah. And I'm Tony. Ooh, Tony, what do we have in store for this week?
0: Well, this week we trek out another Trek prediction come true. In STO news, there's plenty to talk about from Foundry Spotlight missions to the return of the Crystalline Entity two Legacy of Romulan blogs, a new guest blog about skill building as well. In our Community Spotlight segment, we address security concerns in Fleet Starbases and what you can do to prevent a hijacking. As always, towards the end of the show, we'll open hailing frequencies and review your incoming messages.
1: Oh, it is coming. Star Trek Las Vegas is just under four months away, and we're already gearing up for that massive event. And this year, we're teaming up with Trek Radio and Stoked Radio to bring you Las Vegas like never before. On the bridge of the Enterprise-D. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, we'd love to do this, but that sort of thing don't come cheap. Priority One needs your help to raise funds that will cover the cost of broadcasting from the convention halls during the 2013 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. We'll have a live broadcast, just as we did last year, Stream videos and interviews and bring you up to the second coverage of this year's convention. Our goal, 700 simoleons.
1: And we need your help to get there. Now imagine, all we need really are 70 listeners to donate $10 each, you know. And I'm sure some of you smoke out there. And and instead of buying that next pack, you should quit and help us bring Las Vegas to your fingertips. So instead of buying that pack, donate.
0: It's good and good for you.
1: Oh, it's true. So please visit our website and click on the big orange Donate button on the left side of the page. You'll be taken to the secure and ever-popular PayPal website to submit your donation. And again, this fund is to help cover the costs of broadcasting from the convention hall. This money is not for our own personal gain, nor will it cover travel, lodging, food, or any other activity that we so choose to do. So help us bring conventions straight to your computer or smartphone by donating. Again, our goal is $700, and with your help, we can reach that goal. You can also contribute to the ongoing broadcasting initiatives right here on trekradio.net. Just visit the homepage for how you can donate to Trek Radio's goals.
0: Speaking of supporting, why not join the team? Priority One is an immensely successful organization built by volunteers. If you believe you have a skill or talent that would help develop the show, then send us an email with how you'd like to help. Right now we're looking for video editors for our YouTube channel as well as audio editors for our podcasts. You can reach us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
1: As we mentioned earlier, you can listen to us live on TrekRadio.net every Thursday at about 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. You can chat with us live in-game, or you can visit the TrekRadio.net website and jump on their IRC chat client, which can be found under the community link.
0: Before we move on with the show, we want to remind you that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. We've got articles and blogs from some of the most respected members of the community, including our latest Lithium Tracker articles by Sam on Maui, and a review of First Contact Celebrations by Suridium. So be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for all this great content.
1: Well, let's get ready to Trek it out.
0: Jordan, uh, Then let's Trek it out. Well, chalk up another win for Star Trek stellar cartography versus real science. Federation fans have known a long time that the Alpha Centauri system has an Earth sized planet orbiting one of its three stars. Well, astronomers using the High Accuracy Radial Velocity Planet Searcher, or HARPS, at the La Silla, or The Chair, Observatory in Chile, or Chile, have discovered a planet with an Earth-like mass orbiting Alpha Centauri B, the middle child of the trinary system. That was the good news. The bad news? The as-yet-unnamed planet orbits the sun-like star at a distance of 6 million kilometers every three days. For everyone keeping score at home, Mercury, in our own solar system, gets about 46 million kilometers away every 88 days on its closest approach, and we here on Terra Firma chill out at about 147 million kilometers. That's a hot planet, is what that is. I think we should have waited to call some sort of extrasolar body Vulcan, don't you? Instead of uh, tossing that name onto one of the Pluto moons, I think Vulcan should have stuck around for this one.
1: I have to agree. I mean, you know, Vulcan's a very important name. But then again, Star Trek is a genre within our solar system. We're talking about a star and a system light years away. Maybe we should keep Vulcan closer to home.
0: Well, it's too late. It's been done. Twitter has spoken. So this planet's going to have to be called um, not Vulcan. In keeping with tradition. So we've established so far, we should probably name it something cold, like Fudgical. Or Hoth. Hoth. Yes, let's call it Hoth. There you go. Way to bring in the Star Wars reference. Nice. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) I don't even know Star Wars. All right.
1: Captains, discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about. Something in the tech world, science world, health, Star Trek send it to us via email to incoming at priority one podcast.com and you'll be submitted into our random drawing for 1000 zen
0: let's check out what happened in stone news computer status report status incoming message i'm only in the mood for good news
1: today For those of you that may not be aware, Star Trek Online offers a tool for you to actually generate your own mission and explore your own Star Trek story. Periodically, Cryptic highlights some of the most accomplished authors for their ability to tell amazing stories and provide entertaining gameplay. This spotlight on the Foundry is a mission titled Order of Hulvl by S.B. Kotu. This is a Klingon faction-specific mission and you must be at least level 16 to play. The mission summary reads, The Empire has gotten wind of a growing cult within the slums of Konos. The Order of Horl, Star of Blood. You are asked to join the cult, find its purpose, and then destroy it all. Now, this is the first episode of a seven-part series, so there's plenty of work and story in this arc. So be sure to support our community authors by checking out their missions. You can access the Foundry missions by opening your mission journal with the J key in game and clicking on Hail under the section labeled Foundry in the Overview tab. You will see that this Foundry mission is spotlighted in that section.
0: Well, speaking of the Foundry, uh, this tool is near and dear to my heart, and something happened. I got an email or an instant message from At Ashtaku. I uh, interviewed him a few weeks ago for his Foundry mission that he had submitted to this competition, the Foundry Spotlight, And he told me that the costume import button over on the Tribble server has disappeared. Well, I checked it out for myself, and sure enough, it's just not there anymore. So I put a bug report thread over on the forums. What this feature does is it allows a Foundry author to import a saved player costume into Foundry missions. So what you can do is create exact replicas of anyone who sent you a game-generated costume JPEG, and you can import that into a mission that you're building. Well, if that feature was removed, I would be, as los cubanos dicen, muy, muy triste. <laughs> Cryptic frost popped into my bug report thread. <laughs> was that good? Did you like that? Was that good? That was pretty good. That was good? Okay. Muy bien. Muy bien. Muy bien. Muy bien, gringo. Muy bien. Gracias. I'm not going to curse at you in Spanish. I know a couple, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Call me a gringo. All right. Uh, uh, hi, tacos for lunch. I'll have you. know. All right. Um... Uh, <laughs> Cryptic Frost popped into my bug report thread on the forums and said, This is intentional at this time for Tribble, unquote. That's it. And he hasn't been seen since. Are you on the run, Cryptic Frost? Dun, dun, dun. He's on the run. Come back here, Cryptic Frost! Well, okay, I mean, I, in all seriousness, I mean, I know that the Foundry is still technically in beta. If you look up at the top of the editor, it says version 0.8. And I know that the triple server is all beta. I know that, too. But here's the thing. The Foundry author community has been... It's it's not exactly the recipient of an overabundance of developer time. They've got other things that generally kind of take priority. I get that. But if you're going to have to take away a feature, even temporarily, even on a beta server, give us a heads up before you do that, because they just make us nervous. You just make us say, should I go ahead and take pictures of all the things I'd ever want to put in the foundry now before you take away this tool? It would just calm a lot of people down, solve a lot of panic. That's my soapbox. I'm I'm stepping off now. But Cryptic is clearly making this a tool that is meant to be used by a lot of their players. And it would go a long way towards keeping the relationship with those authors smooth. If you would just give us a heads up every once in a while before you do stuff. I'm done
1: midnight shadow actually in the chat room said that he saw a post that it will be coming back i don't know if midnight is referring to that same post that you spoke about from frost you know so maybe it'll you know it'll, it might be coming back moving on in star trek online news we've got a guest blog about skill planning now if you're a listener of the show then you know that we are a huge fan of stoacademy.com's interactive web-based skill builder And this latest guest blog Atilio, a veteran member of the community and site manager of STOacademy.com, writes about the benefits and methods of skill building. He writes, You should know as of March 1st, 2013, version 5.0 of the skill builder is available for use. With this new skill builder and the update, you can input a lot of your character's information and the planner will suggest which skills to put points into. You can then go ahead and respec in-game based on those suggestions. There's also a build sharing page where you can find other players' builds or ideas. The build sharing page is probably my favorite feature of the site. I like to see how other more advanced players are configured. This helps me get an idea of how successful my build might be. You know, it's a very long and lengthy post, but amazingly well written and concise. If you're a fan of our Field Notes segment, then this is certainly worth your time and reading. Tony, have you have you used a Skill Builder before?
0: I've been over to Stowe Academy and used a number of their tools before. They've got a great site, and I enjoy fooling around with their widgets that they've got on there. I have just recently embarked on my own personal quest. I am making one of my Level 50 tax fly science ship. That's a little odd. I'm having some fun trying to sort out exactly how I need to make that work. But this is one of those great community-developed tools that are out there. Everybody ought to give it a shot. And if you want to make yourself a little more dangerous out there in the sector space, go check it out.
1: Every time I change a ship, I go through this, and I go through the skill builder. Right now, I've been flying my Carmera for a long time now, actually, it's since actually it came out. And I've been happy with the build so far. I'm sure it's capable of being uh, tweaked a little bit, and a lot of community members have helped out, like matthew 486 x But this tool is definitely worth having bookmarked, especially for new players, as they level up. Run a test on it, take a look at what you're investing in before you spend uh, a respect token on it. All right, what else do we have on the docket?
0: Well, we have the Season 7 Dev Blog number 43 and the Crystalline Catastrophe event. Now, I have to make a confession here. You know, I talk a lot of technical stuff, and I try to get into numbers and things, and I play the game pretty a lot. I play a lot of PvE, and I do the STFs. I tried the Crystalline Entity mission precisely one time in the entire three years I've been playing this game. And it was such a... The, in the military, 70s I mean, am a technical military term here. It was a Charlie Foxtrot of FUBAR proportions. Some of you may be familiar with those terms, but it was just horrible. There were no redeeming qualities to this mission at all, and I cheered when Cryptic put a stake in its heart. Well, like every other life-sucking creature, it's back. This time, it's better. So, for those of you who are like me, who have heard about how much of a catastrophe this mission really was, take another look. Because in this dev blog, STO systems designer Jeremy Bordicus Cryptic Randall explains that the mission has been almost completely reimagined. According to Bordicus, the entity now boasts all new abilities and powers, new costumes and effects, has been retuned as a 10 person encounter. With the launch of this new encounter, Cryptic has also implemented the new event reputation system. Generally, this new event reputation system will be used during seasonal events like Q's Winter Wonderland, and when they raise things from the dead, maybe we'll get the Geckley mission back. Maybe they'll fix the Geckley mission for those of you veterans that remember that one and bring that one back too. Remember how you had to collect the autographs for Q thing? Well, instead of just doing that and collecting energy credits or dilithium for it, you're going to get a token like the autographs. Then you can turn these tokens in, these crystal shards, towards a project in the event reputation system. Once you fulfill the required elements, you get a reward. Borica says each day that you participate in a successful defeat of the crystalline entity, you'll be granted a single crystal shard. You may participate in the event as many times as you like to earn Dilithium Ore, but you'll only get this special item once a day. Once the necessary number of crystal shards is input into the donation requirements for this project, it will automatically complete and your reward will be available to be claimed after a few seconds. So from now until Thursday, May 2nd, around 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight, you will have the opportunity to earn up to 21 of these Crystal Shards, but only 14 will be required to complete the project.
1: Now the reward for completing the project will be 50,000 Dilithium Ore, 1,000 Fleet Marks, and a unique Crystal Shard Space non-combat pet. And if you gather more than 14 Shards, Crystal Shards... Each additional one can be traded in for another 100 fleet marks using another event reputation project that will become available after the main project is completed. So other than these additions of, for instance, the event reputation system, have the bugs been fixed? Well, yeah, generally, that's what we've been hearing. Now the entity and its fragments will no longer pursue targets other than players. This means that mines, targetable torpedoes, hangar pets, and summoned reinforcements can be freely used during the encounter without fearing that they will trigger negative repercussions the entity's innate regeneration has been scaled back as well and they've also eliminated the healing that was being done by small crystalline fragments now tony you had the chance of playing the
0: venton game right on triple yeah it's lots easier now oh man it's actually completable now cool thing they've got some tholians running around in there to uh sort of distract you, so you've got to devote a little bit of uh, fleet firepower to you know keeping those guys off your backs, but as long as you do your thing, you'll probably win the scenario. Before, if one person basically didn't pay attention to everybody shouting in the chat box, if one person went off on their own and shot a large fragment or used uh, non-kinetic weapons, I forget all the tricky things you had to do to, to try to beat that thing. If one person screwed up, Basically, the entity went back to 100% health, and you had to start all over again. It was just a nightmare. To get all these people on the same page all at the same time, when it's a random queue, it just didn't work. It was just poorly designed. This one's much better. Yeah, it's nerfed. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, it's actually doable now. Yeah, it's maybe pandering to the lowest common denominator or whatever. It's not as uber elite as it used to be, but... Man, you can actually do it now. <laughs> and and in my book, that wins any day over being super cool tough. This is just something fun to do with your friends. And the entity looks stunning. It's just a fantastic piece of in-game art.
1: Yeah, you know, I have not, like you, I think I attempted it once when it was live. I think I joined some random team, and I didn't even bother to finish it. I was just no. like, this is impossible, I'm leaving yeah um so i'm glad that they've redone and they've reimagined it and they've added a few little tweaks to it the story according to the blog is that the reason the tholians are involved is because they're trying to communicate with it or are investigating whether this is like some long-lost ancestor or something It's some interesting little tidbit of information
0: some nice little story there that's being developed and that's very interesting all right what else have we got Then we have Season Dev Blog number 44. This is the sixth Embassy feature project between 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight on April 11th until around 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight on April 25th. Your fleet can participate in this project called Let the Light Shine In. Upon completing the project, the Embassy shuttle bay will be expanded and the roof will be opened, letting in natural sunlight for the plants that you bought the last time we had an Embassy project.
1: You know what? I don't even want to spend a second talking about these projects anymore. I am not an interior decorator. I want something functional. Moving on, let's talk (laughs) Legacy of Romulus. So, Legacy of Romulus Dead number 3 was released. The moment so many of us have been waiting for. A rundown of some of those pretty little ships Romulan players can expect to fly in the new expansion. With five tiers of warbirds, there is definitely something here for everyone, Romulan, fan or not. The blog runs down each of the five tiers and displays some beautiful in-game screenshots of most of these ships. But what you can expect to find in each warbird, and this is now a rundown of the standard specifications, is a cloaking device. In addition, the Romulan racial trait, subterfuge, enhances the performance of cloaking devices and increases the damage that their ships deal after lowering their cloak, and this was discussed in detail during last week's interview with executive producer Dan Stahl. You can also expect these ships to be a little slower than some of their allied counterparts. The blog gives the example of the iconic Dideradex, larger and more resilient than the Galaxy, but considerably slower as a result. Uh, These ships are also equipped with the new Singularity Warp Core, which builds power as the Romulan ship engages in combat, and then utilizes the power to produce one of several devastating effects on the battlefield. Or, if you face a Warp Core breach, then take your enemies with you with a deadly Singularity Implosion! (laughs) (laughs) Nothing quite like disappointing your opponents when they thought they got away with the clean kill! I love doing that in Halo, man. When I was big on Halo, there was nothing like throwing a grenade on the last minute, dying, and then bringing the punk with you.
0: You're a mean person in video game land, Elijah. That's super hey, mean. The ghost Reward or Ghost, I don't know,
1: Back from the Dead. I don't remember what the accolade was every time you got it. <laughs> so what's your favorite? The art on some of these ships are beautiful, and my favorite is definitely the Mogai Heavy Warbird. I mean, I like the specifications for it, right, it just, it, the way it's described. Solid mix of maneuverability, firepower, defense, you know, it will it plays like a destroyer according to the blog. But I like the look of it, man. That thing looks like a Cylon Raider from Battlestar Galactica. I'm a big, yeah. big fan of the art yeah. there.
0: For me, I really want the little tiny uh, original series Warbird, the Talis one, but I want a huge freaking plasma torpedo on the front of that thing. I want to decloak behind somebody, shoot it, and fly away, and listen to their screams of agony as it eats through their hull one centimeter at a time. <laughs> Is that disturbing at all to you? It felt weird. You're a mean. Out. You're a mean gamer. You're a mean gamer. You're a mean gamer, <laughs> Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna throw grenades on people, I want to sneak up behind them and launch a death plasma torpedo. Flash, just into the Priority One newsroom. We have reports that Empress Sela has begun a full fledged assault on the newly formed Romulan Republic. Sources report Sela will not tolerate any dissent against her rule and has openly denounced the Romulan Republic, saying that the movement to break away from the Empire and create a new Romulan homeworld is a terrorist action. Sila is using the full force of the Tal Shi'ar to hunt the leaders of the Romulan Republic and will not stop until their organization is eliminated. Stay tuned to the Priority One Network for more information.
1: Alright, that's right. In Dev Blog number four, we learn that Denise Crosby will be reprising her role as Empress Sila, which already knew i think a few episodes back somebody had sent us a youtube channel they had actually ripped a bunch of the audio from the game and it was a bunch of denise crosby reading as empressila you may remember the character from tng's episodes unification and redemption it's a very lengthy background and very well written and i gotta admit having so much lore explored in the game is is fantastic you know it breathes new life we're seeing story we're seeing story driven content and it's fantastic All right, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's improve our gameplay security and head into this week's field notes.
0: I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts.
1: So last week, the members of Caspian Division were shocked to discover that in a matter of moments, their fleet members and administrators had been kicked. Later to find out, their tier 4.5 starbase was being held ransom by a hacker. So let's put this into context. Their tier 4.5 Starbase, which had been developed since the launch of the fleet Starbase system in July 2012, was hijacked. Their fleet members kicked, and their Starbase held for ransom. All their work, the projects, the items, and most importantly, their dilithium was lost. Now, the Caspian Division has taken the hit like true champions, and their resolve is clearly stronger than ever. And we salute the members of Caspian Division for their courage and composure while under fire. You are truly friends of the Stoke community, and you definitely did not deserve what happened. However, the big dilemma we're facing is that this can, and for all intents and purposes, will happen again. Perhaps it already has happened, and we just don't know about it. You see caspian division has clout members of their fleet are active vocal community leaders in the star trek online community some have podcasts articles blogs you know these members you've worked with them you've listened to their opinions and they have the capability to bring attention to this type of issue now what about the smaller fleets The problem is inherent in the fleet system itself. And as Terry Lynn Scholl, who was also a member of Caspian Division and a writer for Massively's Captain's Log articles, and also host of Podcast UGC, has pointed out, there is a disconnect between what it takes to create a starbase versus what it takes to destroy it. To be more specific, it takes five players to create a fleet, but only one to completely destroy it. Now, fleet starbases aren't just another social zone. Like many other MMOs. The key difference is that fleet starbase progression is contingent upon the investment of dilithium into fleet projects. And as we know, dilithium is an in-game currency tied to both time and real world money. If you don't have time to play the game, well, you go and buy Zen, then later convert it to dilithium. If I can't afford Zen, then I play for hours and hours until I earn more and more dilithium.
0: And that's where I'm going to jump in, because I've taken a little bit of a look at this, and I wanted to know exactly what's a star base worth. Because this person, whoever it was, the last thing I heard was that it was potentially someone who abused the trust of a fleet leader who was not overly active. Somebody in that person's real life circle of acquaintances abused this person's trust, got into the account, and proceeded to demote everyone, kick everyone out, and change the name of the fleet in order to hide the starbase. So, what did he steal? He stole a virtual thing, which is only good for as long as Cryptic decides to operate its servers and allow us access to this game. And they're only going to do that as long as they make money off of people doing things like building fleet starbases. So, I went looking and I found a article written on seekingalpha.com that someone did i'm not mentioning his name because he didn't put a lot of analysis out there so i'm not sure that i'm gonna stick with his words or numbers here but his analysis which he didn't go into detail on said that cryptic could generate about fifteen hundred dollars per tier five star base and he broke it down by level to illustrate exactly how much money it would cost to hit each tier but this, was, this article was written before they tweaked some of the Starbase leveling amounts. And again, he didn't disclose his methodology, so I'm not quite sure I'd go with that figure. But I went and did my own homework. And I went to the Stowe Wiki page. Hat tip to Rachel Garrett. Lovely place you run over there. So on the Stowe Wiki page, they have a list of the Starbase projects. And I extracted just the dilithium costs. Of just the required projects to advance your starbase. I didn't take into account any of the little projects you have to run to earn the right to upgrade your starbase because you can do those for free. Free meaning no cost in dilithium. You just have duty officers, experience, and fleet marks and, and some commodities. You can do those all without dilithium, you, theoretically. But these are gates through which you have to pass, and the ticket is paid for in dilithium. Tier 1 upgrade, 64,800 Dilithium. Tier 5 upgrade, 3.6 million Dilithium. Tier 1 shipyard, 32,400 Dilithium. Tier 5 shipyard, 1.8 million Dilithium. And so on and so forth. You will spend in Dilithium just a bare, bare minimum. This is only the required projects that get you the Starbase experience points that allow you to level up. Bare minimum, you will spend twelve million three hundred twenty two thousand dilithium to build a star base, which at today's exchange rates at about a hundred dilithium per zen, if you wanted to buy that, you'd spend twelve hundred thirty two dollars and twenty cents. And at I'm the sorry,
1: say that say that financial number one more say that real money number one more time.
0: Real money number at today's dilithium exchange rates, one thousand two hundred and thirty two dollars and twenty cents. Which is it's all part comparable to what the other gentleman wrote in the Seeking Alpha article, and we'll have that in the show notes.
1: In the chat room, stories pointing out, not to forget about the bonus things, you know, an embassy, and of course, for oh, those yeah, players the, that no, had a, this, a Klingon this faction, nothing. No, we're just talking yeah. your first fleet star base getting to tier five. Bare
0: minimum. This is the absolute minimum it will cost you.
1: Over $1,200 for bare minimum at current exchange rates if you were to buy the dilithium. Now, again, some dilithium is a time-based currency, but at which you can ultimately buy. Right. Understood. It's not everybody. It's
0: really not fully total $1,200. Would you like to know how long it would take you to earn that in the game? I figured that out, too. If you take the basic rate of about 1440 dilithium per 45-minute or hour-long mission, I think that's where cryptics about pegged the earn rate. They expect you to get about 1440 dilithium per hour. It would take you 8,556.944444 hours to earn that much dilithium. And again... I want to reiterate, this is just bare minimum. This is not any extra projects and only doing the Starbase missions that don't take dilithium as an input cost. That means no provisions, no fleet ships. That means you only do the missions that give you the thousand points for the DOFs and the experience and the commodities and the marks, the fleet marks. That's it. But the bare minimum, you'll spend the equivalent of about $1,200 in dilithium on a Starbase. That's what the guy stole. So...
1: The idea that someone can hijack your Starbase is equivalent to someone robbing your house, right? You spend real time and real money buying your sofa, your TV, your Tempur-Pedic ergonomic mattress, and some punk with a brute force attack or keylogger can take it all away. Okay? However, if you leave your front door open and you don't have an alarm system or at least a guard dog, you're not making it very difficult either, which is what we're about to discuss. Is how you can avoid getting your account hacked and your Starbase put in jeopardy. Now, let's review the current security features that PWE has instituted, right? Because we didn't get these security features until after PWE took over. So right now, currently, each user account has two-step verification. So if you log into the game from a different IP address, a unique code is sent to your email address that's linked to your gaming account for verification. Good. But what if your email is hacked? Then the two-step verification is pointless. But, you know, quite frankly, the two-step verification is great. When talking about fleet security, the problem is not a single person's account, but that that person, that one person has the power to destroy a fleet. And that's got to change. The best mechanic I can think of to ensure that an entire fleet and its members are not destroyed is to institute a Senate system, which, again, was discussed by Terry Lynn and Haverha in their latest episode of Podcast UGC. If it takes five to create a fleet, then it should take five to destroy it. And I don't care about those fleets that you know want to be run by dictators and, oh, it's not fair to those people. Too bad. Too bad. It's a game mechanic that will prevent complete monetary loss.
0: Speaking for the dictators here, you know I'm going to take the side of the dictators because, let's face it, I'm kind of a jerk. So on the dictator side of things, if I start a fleet and I run it and I manage it and I make a website for it, and I organize it and spend a lot of time and effort putting the thing together, and you all join my fleet, I think I should be able to do what I want to with it. But I think that there needs to be some additional electronic watchdogs involved here. Nemesis Chicken, in the anniversary episode, the hundred episode of Podcast UGC, talked about back-end systems that banks and credit card companies use to detect unusual patterns And then to interrupt them, like say with your credit card, if you suddenly start purchasing things in Bolivia, when Elijah, you live in New Jersey, they're going to give you a call and say, hi, did you jump down to Bolivia for some reason? And you'll say no. And they'll say, "Okay, well, clearly these charges are fraudulent. We'll go ahead and block them. You won't lose your stuff. I think that something like that could be and should be implemented into cryptic system because... The pattern of join a fleet, get promoted to leader, demote all other leaders, kick everyone out, that's a red flag. That's something that you can program into a computer. Back when I worked at a bank, we called it a tickler. You could set up a query in your database that would say, hey, when you see these actions within this frame of time, you need to print a list of those accounts out so that I can go back and review what's happened. And, yeah, I know it's just a game. Yeah, I know these are virtual goods. But you know what? Cryptic's in this to make money. They have tied real money to their in-game currency, and they have required that in-game currency to have access to a store where you spend more real money in terms of those ships with ship modules. There is real money at stake here. And if they don't want to lose the trust of the community and the trust of the people that are building these star bases and the trust of the people that are spending $1,200 worth of either real money or time in the game, they need to assure the community and assure their player base that if something as egregious as this happens, there's not going to be an investigation. There's not going to be a, well, prove you were hacked and then maybe we'll do something about it. No. We can see you were hacked. Look, our computer popped it up for us. New fleet member, suddenly promoted, everybody demoted, everybody kicked, fleet renamed. There's no way that's a legit action. There's no way.
1: Right. And the, the problem with that is that the fleet drama can cause something like that, right? Where one guy just goes completely AWOL and I'm going to kick everybody and that happens. I even reached out to Simon Ludgate, and many of you might remember him. He's our uh, resident MMO expert. He was actually someone we had on the show when Star Trek Online first went free-to-play to to get his expertise on what free-to-play means for an MMO. He's actually a columnist for Gamma Sutra, And I asked him, so in your experience, what type of security measures do typical MMOs have for guilds, for fleets? Generally, his response is, well, for most other games... Guilds are nothing more than really another social circle. They have banks and they have vaults and things of that nature. But generally, these things end up just being stripped and you replenish them. And if that were the case here, fine, whatever. you know. If it happened to any fleet, they just recoup the losses. Somebody stole our stuff from our bank and that's it. But what we're seeing here is that there is the ability for someone not only to kick everybody out, but all the assets that you attained, all the projects that you completed. It's not just about what you have in the bank. It's about no. what you've completed to get your Tier 5 star base.
0: I know that we have some cryptic developers that listen to the show sometimes. I'm going to put it to them in terms that hopefully will get their attention. The Fleet Starbases are a system through which people unlock stores. At those stores, people spend both the time-based currency and real money. If you take a store away from a group like Caspian Division... And allow someone to hold that store for ransom, you have just deprived yourself of a customer base to the tune of however many people were in Caspian Division before it got cleaned out. That is a bad business environment to operate in. I understand that in EVE and other places like that, yeah, it's all about the hustle and you got to stab each other in the back and that kind of stuff. That's neat and all. That's not why I play Star Trek. I expect the people that run the game to be smarter than the bad guys. And I expect them to ensure that the money that I chip in and the time that I chip into my social project remains under social control, not at the whim of a hacker.
1: Right. And I think that in terms of your own personal account, the two step verification, I mean, that's a great step. I mean, unless you want to start doing key fobs that, you know, you have to put in the code every time you have a key fob, like in World of Warcraft for your own personal account, there really isn't much more that they can do. However, for fleets, that have invested dilithium, time-based currency that is also can be traded for real money. A security measure needs to be put in place. And I think that the easiest thing I would imagine, I'm not a coder, but I would think the easiest thing is for if it takes five to create a fleet, then it should be five to disband it. It should be five leaders that cannot demote one another. I can already hear, oh, but what if somebody disappears? And, you know, you still have five. Let it be a vote. If three out of the five boot the one, then so be it. In order to prevent issues like this from happening to big fleets or small fleets, something of a voting mechanic should be implemented into fleet star bases.
0: I want to change your suggestion just one way. I agree with you that there needs to be some sort of layer of protection, and it needs to involve having more than one person with a say-so in that. Again, right. it's a game. These are virtual goods. I know that the, the probabilities are low. That's not the point. That's why. That's not why you buy insurance. That's why, not why the government insures banks and stuff. You do it so that the unthinkable isn't a problem. You don't have to worry about the unthinkable because even if the unthinkable happens, it's just fixed. We're watching out for it. All they have to do, these are my suggestions, every fleet leader that has a tier four and above star base, they go on a watch list. And that watch list is, again, set up with a tickler account that looks for weird behavior. If they're suddenly demoted and then kicked out of the fleet, then it needs to be followed up on. And if there's any complaints that need to be addressed. But I think the easiest and quickest and quick and dirty fix in this, a timer. A cooldown timer. If you're gonna kick someone at the fleet leader rank, if you have a Senate structure with multiple fleet leaders, a fleet leader can only demote. That's that's the key here. A fleet leader can only demote another fleet leader after a seventy-two hour cooldown has expired. Now that's that good. way there's time for someone to log in and go, and they'll be you know, put it as a message when you log in you have been demoted by Fleet Leader X. So if Fleet Leader Y logs in and sees that message, they go, what the hell is this? And if it's truly a social thing, then that's what's going to happen. But I think there needs to be some kind of timer involved so that in the situation we had here, it was just somebody that didn't log into the game very often, and there's no time to react. But if it comes with a timer of some kind, hey, that gives a little room to breathe, contact customer service, say, hey, look, I think Fleet Leader X's account has been hacked, there's no social discord right now. I think we need to look into this. I think a timer, a cooldown timer of some kind would actually be a relatively simple fix that they could put in without having to do anything with back-end fraud detection, which is what I really think they should do.
1: So if it's not a Senate, then a time-down cooler, that's, that's actually not bad at all. So in the meantime, though, what can your fleet or guild do to avoid the same fate? Terry Lynn actually bullet points it for you in her Massively Captain's Log article, that was published on April 8th. For instance, in the meantime, make sure you keep open communication with all the members of your fleet. Keep your list of leaders and administrators to a working minimum. You know, The more you have, the more susceptible you might be. Don't let yourself or your fleet guild become the victim of your own road to hell, she writes. Being too nice and leaving room open for those who care about can potentially lead to problems. And remind members to change their passwords, not to share their account with anyone and the general security things that should go without saying. Me, I'm a big fan of LastPass. It's an auto password generator that makes nonsensical passwords. It's hard to brute force, and I do change it periodically. You know, that's very important. You know, these are habits that you should always do, not just for gaming, but for life when you check your bank. I work in computer repairs, and how often do I see people with terrible passwords, terrible passwords, Make sure you have strong passwords, that your leaders have strong passwords. Don't share the passwords. And hopefully we'll see a security feature down the road from Cryptic Studios to help ensure that the investments that 500 members make don't get stolen and held ransom. But again, all props and kudos and amazing wishes to Caspian Division. They have really risen to this challenge. Their resolve is great. Their spirits are great. It's a a real pleasure having people of that caliber in our Stowe community. Hear, here. All right, that wraps up Field Notes for this episode. Hopefully you'll walk away with better security. Change your passwords. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir.
0: Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other.
1: All right, and on the Stowe forums, we had a lot of pages of discussion regarding what Dan Stahl spoke about. We encourage you to head on over, check out the thread special thanks to purple gamer the excitement in Dan's voice is infectious when he's talking about the convergence of storylines and how they plan for factions to interact or not from that moment forward Dan you've completely turned this skeptic into a fan can't wait and i want to give a special very very special thank you and shout out to the cosmic one that person took the time to provide the community with a summation of the interview in a number of different posts Hey, we can use a transcriber. Thank you so very much, the Cosmic One. You know, we can't thank you enough. You really helped us out there.
0: All right. And uh, heading over to PriorityOnePodcast.com, we got a lot of feedback on this. Some people wrote essays regarding this stuff. We can't read it all on the air, but we want to thank everyone for taking the time to publish their comments for their fellow Star Trek online players to read on our site. Thanks. Well done. Kudos to you, ladies and gentlemen, and keep it up. But we heard from the Grand Negus again. I really enjoyed the interview, and I'm very happy to find out that I was wrong about my previous comments on last week's episode, that Cryptic wouldn't be able to pull off Tony's idea of having each faction having their own unique part of the overall story and, in turn, that you would have to play all three factions to get the complete picture. I don't know if this is the same Grand Negus, but I like this guy, because all of a sudden he turned it into my idea, even though I had nothing to do with it. That's the best part. He goes on to say, I'm completely satisfied with the plan Dan discussed of everyone having their own unique version of the story, then having universal shared content afterwards. It's been long suggested that the Cardassian sector be opened up to the KDF, so I'm glad both they and the Romulans will be getting those missions in May. Me too. I think they did it right. Spaceblood writes, This episode felt like getting back to everything I loved about Priority One back in the day. Exceptional show, guys. Well done.
1: Wait, back in the day? How far back in the day? I don't think we've changed very much.
0: This must be pre-Tony days. And Sean Newboy writes in, awesome show, guys. Thanks, Dan.
1: And coming to us via Facebook from AJ.
0: Hey, guys, just been
1: listening to you guys over the last few weeks while playing Star Trek Online. Never knew you had a Facebook page. Love you guys. Love your work. And AJ, we love you. Thanks for listening.
0: So, so very much. And thanks to everybody who retweeted us on Twitter. We have new followers, at Glue Guns Phasers. That's like the best handle ever.
1: Glue Guns and Phasers, they actually do a um, panel at the Star Trek Las Vegas. They show you how to make your own phasers or like an arts and crafts kind of group. It's really cool. I encourage you guys to check them out. That's at Glue Guns Phasers.
0: I dig their Twitter avatar. It's a phaser and a glue gun. That's all. And then also thanks to Steve Eld and at Trek. All right, thank you, everyone, for your feedback, your comments,
1: your discussion on our website, your discussion on the Star Trek online forums. It was fantastic to see so much buzz over Dan Stahl's interview. We are thrilled to see it. Don't forget, you can reach out to us via email at incoming at priority one com.
0: Well, that wraps up Episode 123, broadcast live from net. Remember that we are on the air every Thursday night at 830 Eastern, 530 Pacific, We've been getting some amazing feedback, and we play much better to a live audience. You'll have fun.
1: (laughs) Captains, don't forget. The Priority One (laughs) Network is always expanding, and we're in need of two audio editors and video editors to help with the weekly publication of our podcasts. Hey, if you feel you're the guy or gal for the job, then send us a sample of your work to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Have something else you feel you can contribute to the organization? By all means, reach out to us.
0: We are looking for your suggestions and ideas for Trek it out, field notes, community spotlight, and general show improvements and additions. You can submit your ideas and questions with our online form on the Priority One website or via email to incoming at com, On Facebook, on Twitter, Homing Carrier Pigeon, Smoke Signal, we'll answer just about anything.
1: Head on over to Priority One and be on the lookout for Alex Colderwood's Awesome Comics. We are on Facebook. So head over to www.facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like. Or you can check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One for showtimes and other cool stuff. If you're listening to us right now and you haven't liked us on Facebook, we'll take it back to the Cation Kittens. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to take it back we to the can't. Cation Kittens. We can't. People right. sent letters. I know. I know. We can't take it back. But go like us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast.
0: Captains, we are going to Vegas. Yes, we are. And we'd like you to come with us in spirit. And by spirit, I mean in money. And by money, I mean... Donating. Donating to us at the Priority One Network so we can broadcast live from the floor of the Star Trek convention in August. Now, we're shooting for a goal of $700 to help offset the cost of broadcasting from the show. We're still responsible for paying our own way there and hotels and uh, tickets and autographs and all that kind of stuff. This money is strictly to be used to bring you great content. So if you've got a few bucks, head over to PriorityOnePodcast.com, hit the donate button, And give till it doesn't hurt, but sort of stings a little, like an irritation. Give till it irritates. Yeah. Give till it irritates.
1: And we really want to thank everybody who has already donated. You know, $700 seems like a lot. Hey, if 70 people gave $10, we'd hit our budget. And we definitely have more than 70 listeners. I can tell you that for sure. And Trek Radio is always looking for donations. They run a tight ship over here with amazing content, phenomenal DJs, awesome music, If you can, visit trekradio.net and hit that donate button. They have a goal right there for everybody of what their target is. Well, that wraps it up. We would like to thank the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood. Our audio engineer, Lennon Rich. And the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsors, Sayulita.com. Our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Trek Radio. And, of course, the Trek Radio live crew more importantly the star trek online community without you none of this would be possible
0: shields up ready weapons engage For complete.
1: There was something I wanted to say today. Oh, where's Cheese of Borg? Cheese of Borg has not been here three weeks in a, in a row. I'm getting nervous. What? No. I know. Man, I
0: know. It's like he took your money has and ran. Has anybody seen Cheese of Borg? He did. He took your money he and did. ran. He's, He's like, took I'm out. The
1: Zen and ran. I'm out. Oh man
0: low class oh, right. low class right. buddy Just broke Eliza's right. heart <laughs> it's
1: okay man
0: i won't leave you until you pay me 10 bucks
1: i'm not paying you 10 bucks all right this <laughs> is well send it over to us via incoming send it to us over the... send it what send over to them like that the open oh uh head on over to bravadounpodcast.com and be on the lookout for Alex Colderwood's awesome comics they uh we yeah. <laughs> let, it, let it edit that out. I don't know when the next one's coming out. So, <laughs> so,
0: so yeah. A comic I don't, and you see pictures. And I, don't, you see, I don't know, the know when the next one's out. Hey, that's my line, you jerk.
1: <laughs> so, last week, the members of Caspian De- – wow, I can't even say their name. The problem is inherent currently in the fleet system, and as Terry Lynchell has pointed out both in her massively article and in a previous uh, uh in this most recent episode and this why am I hearing things in the background? I don't know is this on my is this on my end? Oh, it's like I have no idea what this is. Oh, the triple song started playing, and I got mad distracted. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Password yeah,
1: one. Yeah, yeah, one.
0: password. One two three four five. Oh, that's one, the two, same three, my four, luggage. Five. <laughs> that's a, what an idiot has in
1: his luggage. All right, Stone News in three, two. Where did I lost Stone News? Oh, I'm sorry. Order of Holv by S.B. Kotu.
0: Um, how, how do you pronounce fashions? that again? What? How do you pronounce that? Yeah, again? I don't know.
1: I just. I don't know how to pronounce it. I, can't, I never said I could read Klingon. I could pretend to be a Klingon, D- but I never said I could read it. So be sure to support our... Double kill. Very well done, I have to say. Oh, chap, you did very well. I'll need you to do one more thing for me, though. I'll need What's you that? to say the first line one more time. Newsflash. Just into the Priority One newsroom. Just do that part, please. Very well. Thank you very much. Let's improve our gameplay security and head into this week's Field of Notes. I don't like the way I said that. Field I'll head into this week's field field, field. Notes. notes. Field notes. Field field. do well, you say it like that. Say cool. cool. Say, say cool. Say, cool. say field. Whip. Field. Cool. whip. field. Whip. Field notes. Whip. Whip. Recorded live on recorded live on Trek Radio on April 11th. Man, I can't talk tonight.